Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to Under the Noise. I'm Kate Roberts, and I'm here with my co-host, Wynne Morgan. Hi, Wynne. Hello, Kate. And joining us today is Claire. Hi, Claire. Hi, both of you. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Really excited. So, Claire, our favorite question to ask guests, as you know, if you listen to the podcast, is what would you love for people to know about you? Hmm. Um, I guess the thing that comes to mind is that I'm an ex-self-development junkie. That's kind of where where I feel I've come from and and how I've ended up in this kind of conversation. It has come from that, I guess, initially from that desire to feel better. Um, I, I I was a primary school head teacher until March 2015. So I've just gone past my seven year anniversary of the day I walked out of work, um, utterly burnt out and never went back. And I didn't know at the time that's what that I wasn't going to go back. I thought I thought I was just going to have a couple of weeks off and then go back to work. Um, but I was so exhausted that that isn't what happened. I didn't work for a year. Um, and then after resigning, I, I became a hypnotherapist initially, but then really got into this idea that there must be something wrong with me for me to have ended up like that. And I was very kind of. I'm not sure about the word triggered, but it was very kind of, it was all sparked off every time I didn't feel motivated because somehow having stepped into self-employment, I think I'd picked up this idea that you're supposed to be motivated all the time, um, which it turns out it isn't actually true. <laughs> so every time, you know, I'm a middle-aged woman and, and know my, you know, and, and also just a normal human being, every time I was like, oh, I'm procrastinating, I'm not doing enough, I, it was all around just not doing enough, not being enough. I would then go into um, doing some kind of therapy. Um, I did lots of different kinds of therapy, both kind of standard counseling, things like that, but then sort of tapping and hypnotherapy and inner child work and all sorts of things. Um, and so I just kept, every time I just didn't feel enough, then I was off again, right? And there's something in me I need to fix. Did a lot of poking around in the past. Um, and, and still didn't really feel okay. And I also had a very comprehensive and complex morning routine um, that probably took me at least an hour a day. And I kept, every time I didn't feel okay, I kept changing. I must, I must need some better affirmations then, or I need to mm. do something else, do something else. I kept tweaking it and changing it. And it became almost like, you know, like in life, you've kind of got, I've got this list of things to do for my home and managing my personal life. I've got this list of things to do for my business. And then I kind of had this list of things that I needed to do to fix Claire. Um, And it almost became like, there was just a lot of it really. Um, And I would say the, the kind of 
junkie or the kind of addictive part of it was probably the morning routine. I didn't think I'd be okay at all if I didn't do that. I didn't meditate and I didn't do my gratitude journal, didn't do my affirmations. It was a miracle morning style thing that I was doing. Um, and then in January 2020, I, I started um, my journey with a lovely man called Peter Slay, who, I mean, bless him, he sat through me crying pretty much for two hours in the first session because I was just, at that point, I think I was just frustrated that all that I'd done all these things and still I wasn't fixed. Fundamentally, I thought I was supposed to be fixed by then. I'd worked really blinking hard to get fixed. So why wasn't I fixed yet? So bless him, he gently guided me and gave me a lot of tissues. In fact, I think at one point I had to leave the room to go get more tissues because I was crying so much. Um, and, you know, after some coaching from him and then my own kind of exploration, what I noticed over the, well, the strangeness then began, didn't it, in March 2020, over that next few months, I just start, started to think, I don't really know why I'm meditating anymore. And it just doesn't, I don't think I need to still do that. I think the gratitude journals went first. And I'd done both of those things probably for five years, every single day like literally not missed a day, not missed one a day for five years. And suddenly they just started to fall away. And I can't even feel like it was a, a real conscious decision. It was just, they just, they just were let go of really. It just didn't make sense anymore. Until now when I'm not, I haven't got a self-development book on the go on Audible, <laughs> which I generally did have one of them on the go I do listen I listen to your lovely podcast of course and other lovely podcasts of a similar nature but that's it and yet that pretty much all of my experience of life has completely changed you know how I feel how, how I am now more productive than I ever was when I was trying to be more productive I mean how ironic is that um and I guess now I just don't want, I want to help people to not have to do all of that stuff and, and be okay and know that they are okay. So that sounds like a very a dramatic change in what you've seen or understood. What do you put the, that change down to? You see, I know often, you know, I speak to people who, who've come across this understanding and, you know, understanding, you know, where their experience is coming from, understanding how we work as humans psychologically. Um, and a lot of them have had a great, you know, a big insight. Like I, I've read, uh, for example, Jamie Smart's book, he actually mentions these pivotal points when he's had these big, oh, I see it like this now kind of thing. And I never had that. I, I never had that. It, it just felt like I was this kind of iceberg and somebody just put a warm lamp on me. And it just, and I feel quite emotional saying that because that's what it felt like. I just started to notice that things were changing. Things that, I mean, my relationship with food, for example, 
just complete. I used to be quite an emotional eater. And it just, it just started suddenly. I suddenly I'd just notice I wasn't doing things that I used to do before, which is just, yeah, it's just bizarre. I'm just overwhelmingly grateful. I mean, that's probably why I'm getting a little bit emotional. It's also because I'm 51 in the middle of the menopause, so, you know, <laughs> tears are just normal. But but it, I do feel, I mean, one of the silliest things that happened and the funniest things was I, I'm not a big fan of dogs. I don't know if either of you are dog people, but I used to be allergic. I, I, just, I think I've just grown up not just being a bit wary of them. Um, who knows where it came from but if we went for a walk which we obviously we did a lot like everybody <laughs> 2020 and 2021 um, I, I'd i be always at the other side of you know the dog the other person then me you know I would be making sure I was furthest away from the dog and then I went for a walk with my daughter one day I can't even remember when and this puppy ran up to us and I bent down and stroked the puppy, a oh, little cute puppy like this. And as we walked away, my daughter just looked at me. She's in her twenties. Like I had two heads. <laughs> She's like, I said, what's the matter with you? She said, mommy, you just touched a dog. She was <laughs> absolutely flabbergasted that I had just interacted with the dog. And I had done no work on my dog issue. I had not been for hypnotherapy. I hadn't been to get my dog issue removed or done any tapping on it or anything. It just disappeared. And, and it, that's what the experience has been like for me. I've not had any big, you know, light has not come from heaven to, you know, hit me on the head and have a massive mind-blowing insight. It's just been this gradual disappearing of things changing of things um relationships have improved even my more tricky ones and all I've done really is have some conversations like this probably <laughs> I just had some conversations with people talked about it a lot um and and listened to as I say, things like this podcast, other people's podcasts, um, quite a lot of Michael Neal stuff. Been to the odd little course we were saying before, weren't we, that we've all been on some of the kind of Michael Neal courses and things. But just not stopped looking at my nonsense, really, is probably one of the biggest things. Because I think before I just became more and more self-conscious of my, ugh, you know, my stuff. And then... I remember Nicola Bird saying once, it's like when we're looking at the problem, we're looking one way and we're looking at the problem and poking it and prodding it and looking under it and wrapping ourselves up in it. And so then we just notice it more in ourselves. Whereas I feel like then I just went, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm bored of that. I'm not going to look at me anymore. I'm going to go look over here and I'm going to have these lovely conversations about people and how they work. And then something in me has taken that on, I suppose. And the other thing that comes to mind is that I don't really know what the mechanics of it is. Like the specific mechanics of what's changed. Other than I think just a little bit more awareness of, of what's going on. You know, when I feel upset about something, you know, if I particularly if I feel um generally with me it's ranty about other people's behavior 
<laughs> that's my thing <laughs> I can get caught up in I kind of just find myself more often going starting it and then going oh that's gonna feel it already feels awful I don't really want to do that but also responding or reacting less not not picking up the phone and replying to the rude message from somebody or um but why that happens differently now I almost can't it's it feels like will and the wisp you can't get hold of it Kate probably won't know who will of the wisp is maybe but you probably will win <laughs> you're the same age so I do remember that show mm. yeah kids tv show you know i think that that's a really a nice thing for for people to hear that it's not always a big thunderbolt of an insight and we notice it in real time and everything just looks different automatically sometimes it is a warm lamp that melts the iceberg and all of a sudden more reality is exposed and eventually that that truth keeps winning compared to the ideas that we've made up and before we know it you know coming up to two and a half years later here you are mm -hmm. as every human being can melt their ideas about themselves and and life without trying too hard to do so. I think that's what I heard and I've, and I don't know if I've ever heard it so clearly in a real example as I just have in the last 20 minutes or so. It's really lovely. Hmm. It feels lovely when I have to say, I, I can honestly say, I feel, I feel the best psychologically that I've ever helped, felt. And that's despite being 51 in the middle of the menopause, having brain fog quite a lot of the time, um, feeling tired, physically tired quite a lot of the time, not my physically best health. Um, but actually, even my noticing even my experience of that is, is I suspect different to to how it would have been well how it was a few years ago um yeah and I have said to people a few times you know how are you well I just kind of say the best I've ever been really like I just feel nice most of the time and nice is not I know it's just one of those, one of those you know when you did English in school never use the word nice it's not it's not it's not clever enough vocabulary but that for me okay nice just content most of the time and I'm very fortunate that my fiance came on this exploration with me my fiance Bruce and so the two of us together are rubbing along very nicely better, better than we ever did before my experience I think has been very similar in that I would have a morning routine as well that I thought was the source of whatever calm 
and peace I could find in that day. Mm. You know, when I kind of first started in this looking, you know, to feel better, I guess, like you said, I was teaching high school and, you know, there's, you know, it's high school, it's loud. There's a lot of questions and answers and this consistent kind of energy and noise to it. And so that morning routine for me became, you know, in my mind, I created a story about it that it was the only quiet I would get today. You know, like I made it a thing and I would write my journal and, and what I've noticed, you know, in the last, I guess in the last few years, a lot like you, I seem to write less and less thinking that that's where answers will come from in the writing. And sometimes they do. And sometimes that feels good. but it's usually not writing in a searching way. Mm. Like I need to write it and fix it and get to the bottom of it. That's not what it feels like anymore. And yet I still love to try to put words to things that probably don't have any, at least none that match what it feels like. Sometimes I still think like I can figure out, like you said, the mechanics of change. Like somehow I can use my intellect to figure that out. Yeah, I think I'm doing that less and less with this from this place of, oh, I just don't care, I feel better. Mm-hmm. Like, like with the physical health stuff, I, I, I've been, I've been in and out. I've been in the menopause for probably quite a few years now. And I, I, it seems like my experience of it has improved, but then is it just that I've improved physically? And I feel like there's this space there. You don't really know which it is. Is it, is it that I'm experiencing it differently because of where I am and how I see life now? Or is it, that physically there's been a physiological change in my body. I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I just don't know. I just know that I'm having a nicer experience of, of life and, you know, the physical stuff doesn't seem as imposing, I suppose is probably the word. Or, but is it less imposing because physiologically I'm coming out the other side of it or... I don't know. I just feel nicer. <laughs> Who knows? You can't know, I don't think, can you really? But that's well, okay. If you can. You know, sometimes it's really wise to know that you don't have to know which is the cause and which is the effect. Or whether they're both causes that happen at the same time. Or whether they're both the effects of something else. Sometimes it's okay and even nice to not to know that we don't have to know and just ride and, as you just said, have a nicer experience of it. It's lovely. Yeah. There's there's a lot of space and freedom in that, isn't there? 
because we've not been directed, have we, to, you know, by by the world out there, as it were, to, to think about ourselves in that kind of spacious way, because especially if you're kind of looking at the behavior change end of things, you know, like for me, it was, I need to, I need to feel more motivated. Well, I needed to know what thing it was that made me not be motivated. And then, you know, on the days when perhaps I did feel motivated, then I would kind of analyze that. Well, what is it today? That <laughs> Was it that affirmation that, you know, what thing actually cracked it? And so it, I was a lot absorbed in the mechanism of, of how I was functioning, but in a, in a, in that kind of nitpickety, analytical, pokey, proddy kind of way. Whereas, yeah, I think now I just, it just matters less and less. Because there's nothing to do anyway. Because I know I'm okay. To me, the last thing that you just said, knowing that you're okay, means that there's less to do. So that, the realization of that, all of a sudden those uh, rituals in the morning, I will feel okay when I've done this and I'm on top of myself. And then that makes sense if we're not okay to begin with. Mm. And then the path to okayness comes from doing stuff. It, it would be logical. And then, as certainly the three of us have woken up to, that doesn't work like that. Mm. But I'm going to confess to something now that just came into my mind of how uh, pervasive that's been for me in my life in the past. With an example from 1992. Right? So this is a while ago. And it was November, and I'm from the city of Swansea, and a big rugby fan is, is not a surprise to anyone who knows anything about Wales. And a huge Swansea rugby football club uh, fan. And Swansea were playing Australia, the national team of Australia. Australia were on tour here, as it used to happen a lot back then. And Australia, the previous year, had won the World Cup of Rugby beat England in the final in 1991 and they were playing my club team Swansea so Win Morgan that morning put on his lucky boxer shorts <laughs> thinking that would have something to do with these 15 guys that I was not on the field with that that would mean they would play well and potentially beat Australia now as it happened they did but it had nothing to do with my boxer shorts Yet, geez, I had to wear those then until they were a bit of a state because they became my good luck charm. And we've all, well, not we all have, but a lot of us have had our good luck charms, our rituals, a way of being in order to feel okay or think that that will make us okay. And I'm not saying, you know, don't journal. I'm not saying don't do the things that we like to do. But as Kate just said a few moments ago, do them because we enjoy them, not because they will define our okayness. Mm. That's the difference. 
And I'm pretty sure I've got lots of invisible rituals that are equally crazy to my boxer shorts in the early 90s. <laughs> but a lot less of them than I've ever had. Mm. Which gives me more free time than trying to, you know, control my okayness or fix myself and an awful lot more enjoyment of, of life as mm. opposed to worrying what underwear to wear. <laughs> I mean, geez. I like what you said there about just doing things because they feel nice. Because the, the kind of the self-care movement says, well, you must schedule your self-care because otherwise you're kind of letting yourself down, aren't you? If you don't schedule it in and make it happen. But what I, I notice about me and self-care now is, well, if it makes sense to go for a walk right now, because I've realized I've been sat in front of the computer a bit long and my head's a bit, you know, and, and so to get up off my backside and go for a walk makes sense. I'll go for a walk. It might make sense to have a nap on a Monday afternoon that has been known to happen. Um, so it's just got this, it's in the moment. It's what do I need right now? Not, not this kind of, I say that it's not, not my future self is going to thank me for doing this. You know, they're going to write back and say, thank you so much for doing that three hour meditation. Cause I've had a wonderful day as a result. You know, it's not, it's not that it's that, that sense that I'm going to do this and definitely my future self is going to be really grateful it's just like, what do I need right now? Do I need a drink? Do I need to have a bit of movement? Do I need to, do I need to some, I mean, I have a, a there's a lovely yoga nidra that I listen to, like a guided thing when I want I'd like a 50 minute power nap and I just listen to that and it just helps me to just have a little nap in the moment, you know, but yeah, it's when it's, when it's got habitual or like ritualized with this sense that our okayness utterly depends on it I think it that's when it's like the self-development junkie that's when it, it is addictive isn't it because dare you if you think that's making you feel but dare you not do it dare you because that feels like you're going to have a terrible day doesn't it if you, if you don't do it and the pressure that that makes us have and feel in order to make sure that we do it we, you know, I remember being so on myself for that kind of stuff. And that's when, innocently, it became harming. It became, as you, as you said, the addiction part of it. And I didn't know. Now, it, it didn't do massive harm. All it did was put me in a very high, uh, high state of being on myself a lot of self-awareness and self-consciousness. So, it, you know, there was no permanent damage there, but it wasn't the best use of my time and my day. Hmm. I think there can be quite a lot of guilt and shame around it as well, that, you know, I mean, I, I used to deliver a workshop when I was in the thick of my habitual, I read all the books about habits that were about at the time there's about four that have got the name something habit where the first word means little so there's tiny habits mini habits atomic habits I was really into kind of habitualizing I was deliberately trying to do that and so I did a workshop that was called stress to success stress to success habits and I now think innocently of course and now I just think 
oh my goodness, those poor people used to come to my workshop. They've been sent by the boss because they were stressed. And then they went out with all these things I'd told them they had to do on top of all the things they were doing already. And I just think, oh no, those poor people. <laughs> because then there's this kind of, well, this woman in this workshop told me that in order to be okay, I've got to meditate. And, and I, it's not for me, or I can't do it, or I haven't got time because I've got three kids and I'm on my own with them. You know, whatever it is, then there's all this guilt and shame as well, because we're being told this is the thing to make you okay, but you're not doing it. So that's awful, isn't it, really? That, that is quite unpleasant. Innocently, of course, like nobody's doing that to hurt anybody. It's all innocent. Now, what you've just said reminded me of something I said at a conference a few years ago. And I didn't know this until I think I was on the stage saying this about knowing that I was okay. I was always okay, but I didn't think I was. And that was the only thing up. I'd made up that I wasn't okay. I didn't realize that looked like truth to me. It wasn't. I'd made up that I wasn't okay. And because of that, all of these rituals and stuff that I did to soothe myself or fix myself, all of that makes sense. But it was built upon mm. a false premise. Mm. I think too that even though so many people start in the self-development world, they start somewhere. There's always something that's talking to our own wisdom in some way. That even though, you know, we create these stories about how, you know, we're self-development junkies and, and all that stuff that we, that we kind of created around that. There's a wisdom at play that's almost laying breadcrumbs to the truth that there's something that maybe we'll read in this book that then takes us to this truth and then to this truth or to this person that will forever change us and how we see life and how we understand it like it's true so much in self-development puts so much on us like we're we got to follow these steps and we got to do all of these things and yet there's a perfection that's somewhere underneath all of that that's taking us from one step to the next step that will lead us to truth that we don't have any control over, I think. That's guiding us, that's always supporting us. Mm. And that I think it's almost like, at least for me, what I've seen is that the more of my story about how things are, about how I am, or more I can, those stories kind of fall away. But there's this part of me that's moving, that can be trusted, that's going in a certain direction and doing something. I was reading, um, I was reading something this morning that was talking about how, and I've read it before, it's that there's movement, that it's moving us, that life is, is moving, doing, thinking, 
And that the less story we have in our head at the moment, the less thought, the more it moves us rather than us doing anything at all. Like there's no decision almost sometimes for us when we're in that space, when our stories drop away. We're not deciding it, we're just doing or not doing or saying or not saying. Like one of the quotes was, to make a decision would always be less. Because we're not moving from here and this is where we make decisions, right? We're just flowing in life letting life flow us. And I think it's so much easier for life to do that when we let go of our stories of what it should look like or what we need to do. And I don't know, I just love that. Hmm. I think I noticed myself that decision-making has become, even that's become less of a thing that I think I'm actually doing. Like I would have be before been a kind of, um, you know, I'll do pros on one side, cons on the other, kind of would have really got the intellect involved in, in deciding things. And I notice now that if I'm not, if I, if I feel like there's an A or a B and I'm not sure which it is, then, and I find myself feeling kind of wound up about it or, thinking it's really important which one I choose I usually know that's a sign to leave it first of all and then seeing how then it sorts itself out either either suddenly a clearly is the right one or b clearly is or one of them just falls away and is no longer available so it can only be a now because b's disappeared or C comes through the middle and you go, oh, it was definitely A or B? Rubbish. It's definitely C. Because it all is just, it's almost like like the tectonic, everything's just shifting around, isn't it? And, and then it, it's all sorting itself out. And I find more and more that decisions don't, don't feel like they're me even, this me, the intellectual me, that they just, stuff kind of seems to sort itself out I mean how I came to be here talking to you two I've been listening to your podcast for ages but then when I was listening to one of the podcasts and Wynne used a word storyfy and I thought oh I do a live on a morning on LinkedIn and um, I was like oh that's it. I like that word I use the word wrong wrongification or wrongify and I thought well I like storyify I've not used that for that could be a title for a live so I just messaged Wynn to ask permission to use his made-up word <laughs> in a live and he went oh yeah that's fine and then I went and then I said oh by the way can I be can I come and talk to you on your podcast that'd be really good fun and and there you go so now we're here on a Friday just like and it was only a few days ago and it's like that didn't, I didn't feel like I decided to, it just sort of came out of me, really. There wasn't like a big intellectual decision-making process. It felt flowy rather than intellecty. For you to know as well, you were on the radar to be asked by me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> your name came up in a, a a long conversation with somebody 
uh, a couple of months ago. This person really loves your podcast, really. And um, I thought, oh, it'd be great to have Claire as a guest. That was one thought that happened during that three-hour walk and chat. Hmm. Although there's a message there that if you listening think you'd love to come on as a guest, then please do get in touch with us. We'd love to hear. Claire, this has been wonderful. Is there anything that you'd love to leave the person listening to you right now with? Any closing thoughts? I think I, to, just, to just know that you're okay. To just know that, that that's always there, you know. And, and you know, to, to go with the, the title of your podcast, that is always there under the noise. And that sometimes, in fact, quite often, the endless attempts to fix ourselves through lots and lots and lots of self-development are just putting more noise into the system and, and stopping us seeing that we are okay. What a great way to wrap this up. Claire, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. You've been listening to this week's Under the Noise with Kate Roberts and me, Wynn Morgan, and our special guest, Claire Downham, today. And if there's anything that you'd like us to talk about in future episodes, then please get in touch. Or, as just mentioned a few moments ago, if you would love to come on as a guest, then please let us know. And the way of getting hold of us, it's coming in the outro in a moment as well, and on the place where you've found this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at and Kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.